This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. And welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to women losing their marbles. And we are, of course, talking about Hulu's candy. We are up to the final episode called The Fight, which is very apt. And we'll explain why in a moment. I'm Joe Lipset. I'm joined, as always, by Jen Adams. Hello. As well as Gina Radcliffe. Hello. And ladies... Um, remember how I talked about how I don't like reenactments? <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, were you not so into this one? <laughs> I would say that this is my least favorite episode of The Bunch, in part mm-hmm. because we're combining both reenactments that are way over the top, but also it's a lot of courtroom drama, which mm-hmm. I'm also not the biggest fan of. Oh, I love courtroom drama. And also, if you uh, didn't know how the case ended in real life, it might be a little bit of a shocking letdown for you. It was. As to to how this case ultimately concluded. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, I had no clue what was going to happen, and that was not what I thought was going to happen. Although I will say, given that they didn't, you know, they're not pulling in Inglorious Bastards and rewriting history, you know, I... I liked the way this episode played out. I think this is the kind of true crime like show I want to see. I agree with you on the the reenactment. There was part of it that was a little bit tedious, but I actually kind of liked that because I think that showed me like I don't believe her story, you know. Mm. So, but I I loved the way that uh, Betty was represented in this episode and I loved the ending of it aside from the fact that she's, you know, Gets away they, like it. Betty's is kind of like a ghost kind of hovering in the uh in the courtroom. I thought that was I thought that was pretty well done. I thought so too. And I love the fact that like I think they made it very clear that we will never hear Betty's side of the story, you know, which is what I wanted. Right. Yeah, I mean it's tricky because of course Betty is in reality and also the world of the show the one who died and we get the Mm -hmm. prosecutor who says you know there's a murder there's two people involved one of them is dead so we're never gonna know what really happened Mm -hmm. and I feel like if we didn't get that representation of Betty in the courtroom we might be inclined to just believe Canty but Betty's reactions the whole time make it seem like ooh, we're constantly undercutting Candy's idea of what happened yeah Mm -hmm. and it felt so unbelievable also like maybe not when they actually started getting into the fight over the axe but when she just brings the axe into the room and she's just kind of (laughs) tottering it i was like this this doesn't feel real at all it felt very like staged reenacting like making a story up you know now I'm not trying to minimize people who are, and I hate using this word because it's been um, so rendered meaningless on Twitter and all. You know, I, I don't mean to undermine people who claim that things are certain things are triggering to them, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, it, the 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 fact that candy being shushed, which is something mm-hmm. that everybody has experienced multiple times uh-huh. in, in their lives. Mm-hmm. 
that this sends her into a blind, violent rage is, mm, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. You know, it's like, right. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, question someone's, you know, trauma and how they react to it. But at the same time, it's like, okay, that's, that was your, that was your breaking point that she shushed you. Yeah. You yeah. haven't been shushed since then also. Like those are the only two times in your life. Yeah. And again, I agree. Cause I mean, I'm a person that has been triggered and I do have specific triggers, so I don't want to minimize that, but I also haven't killed anyone with an ax because I got triggered, you know? And I think the thing I was most frustrated by was the fact that she's just, she ha- seemingly has no consequences for this thing that she did. And I mean, maybe she was triggered. Maybe it, that is actually what happened. You know, maybe it was um, self-defense, but she still killed somebody. And it feels like she has just concocted this excuse. You know, she's like, no, this is the reason. It's not my fault. It's because I got shushed, you know. So I shouldn't have to pay for this at all when Betty's life is over. Well, and it doesn't seem real, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like, okay, I'm going to trial. I've got Don, who is obviously a showboat lawyer, who is encouraging me to either bend or even break the truth. And she comes up with a frankly outlandish defense, mm-hmm. which is, yes, I was shushed as a child, and then I had a dissociative reaction as an <laughs> adult. And you're like... I don't know, like that moment where we get a bunch of courtroom scenes and then we see Candy at home as she and Dawn and Pat are sort of like planning her her defense. And we see Sherry, her best friend, who has been defending her against the crowd, but she seems kind of incredulous, like, what are we doing here? Mm-hmm. And Candy seems to be making up this story on the fly, like, well, there was this one time that my mom did something really horrible to me. Mm-hmm. And can I use that? Like, that to me, that scene is very, very telling. Yeah, it's literally a get out of jail free card. <laughs> It's a get out of jail shush free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Everything, you know, that she says about their final confrontation, if there even was a confrontation, is all from her mm-hmm. point of view. She says, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, Betty attacked me because she knew that I was sleeping with Alan. And But did she, though? We don't, we don't ever really right. establish that. I mean, I think that she mm-hmm. kind of, no. she, she kind of suspected that there was, you know, something going on, you know, but only that, you know, that Alan seemed a little distant, which he always seemed a little distant. Uh, but mm-hmm. at, at no point is there ever a scene where she, you know, expressly knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. That is so true. And I totally took that for granted because I just default assumed that Betty, yeah, had figured it out. And that part seemed real to me. Well, the the idea that Betty might know and might actually say something, but mm-hmm. you're right that even in the way we see this play out, it's so deliberately from Candy's perspective, and Betty seems like a bad version like melanie linsky is playing betty like betty is a weird performer in her mm-hmm. own life her reactions yes. don't entirely make sense that's definitely mm-hmm. from it's definitely how candy saw her you know like it, it's almost mm-hmm. comical how how she comes out with the axe and she's like i know you've been sleeping mm-hmm. with yes. alan you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's so Stepford Wives. Yeah, I was gonna say this is like some horror movie shit here, you know. I mean, and, and we when we see Betty up to that point, she's not that calm. 
for one thing. If, no. she, yeah. if, 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 she, if mm-hmm. she was going to confront anybody about the affair, she'd probably confront Alan and she'd be crying because because that's what right. Betty yeah. does. She's very emotional. I, I don't think she'd be coolly picking up an axe and, you know, walking in the room. Now I have to kill you. You know, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's not even it's completely <laughs> against the version of her we have seen up to this point. And we have seen her confront people because she confronted the pastor about right. the money and she got really hot. And that's just about like church funds, you know? So, and I think, I guess maybe that is a reason why that exists in the show. Cause I know Joe, you and I both had kind of noticed that at different points and it never really goes anywhere, but I guess that's the purpose is to show that that's not how she confronts people. Also, I don't think she would confront Candy before she would confront Alan. Also. No, no, no. No, and it I doesn't agree. seem like, and like, I don't know. I kept waiting for Alan to say something like, "Yeah, she asked me, or I told her," you know. But we never hear that from Alan either. It just doesn't add up. <laughs> and Alan, at no, at no point ever pipes up and says, "That doesn't sound like my wife." Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I should, you know, I should know her best at this point, you know, as to whether or not that sounds like, a, you know, a certain way that she would react or something that she would say. Hmm. Well, I wonder, do you think that's why we see the scenes of Alan on the stand and he's asked, you know, like, how did the affair end? Well, you told us that you ended it because she was in love with you. And then he contradicts them and says, no, it ended amicably. And then he looks at Candy and says, we're still friends. And I was like, oh, my God, you are still fucking in love with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It was an odd reversal, you know, considering what we've seen before when he did break it off and the fact that she killed his wife, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also wonder who the other person is, you know? Ooh, yeah. Gina, I was going to ask you if you had any theories about that in part because you read Joe Bob's book. What was the uh, refresh my memory on the other person? Who the uh, Who she had an affair with, who the other man was. Oh, uh, I think it was just someone, if I recall from the book, I think it was, she was on some sort of, uh, uh, not like a business trip, but it was some sort of, uh, like, overnight thing. It was literally just some guy she picked up. It wasn't, it wasn't like a long-term oh, okay. thing or like a friend of hers or anything. Oh, okay. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because the, the way it's shot in this episode in particular, like we find this out, it's a gobsmacking moment. The entire mm-hmm. court is just up in arms. They're so excited by this development. And we deliberately see a bunch of the wives <laughs> and also Sherry and her husband. And I was like, are we meant to assume that she fucked Sherry's husband? No, 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 no. It was, it was, it was something that happened like long before any any of this happened. At least, at least in the book. But yeah, I, I'm sure that it was amped up for dramatic purposes for this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that is a good shorthand to show like the attitude about her in the rest of the community. You know, like if she'll do this. To Betty, she'd do it to me, too. And what is she not telling us? And just showing that she's not a person we can trust. Like, I kept thinking, how are you going to go back to your life? Like, nobody's ever going to want to shush you again. Or you might <laughs> kill them, you know? Right. I was going to point out that that most of these people are still alive. Like, uh, right. uh, I, mean, I mean, keep in mind, again, you know, they're like our parents' age. They're like in their 70s now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, mm. I believe... Uh, 
Candy and Pat did split up eventually. Good for Pat, finally. Of course. Um, mm-hmm. I think she. Well, it will. It, it, there's. It says at the end that she she became like a like a a counselor or something. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, and Alan married Elaine, the very the, the very thirsty mm-hmm. Elaine, oh and then God. I think they I think they got divorced Shortly eventually. After. Yeah. Uh, so course, all, yeah. all these people are are I got I was I could not sleep one night so I started like looking for these people on Facebook <laughs> and oh I'm pretty gosh, sure oh, wow. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure I found Pat so oh wow what? yeah he's, he he looks like he's happy now so good for him you know oh, that's you know, good Pat oh, okay. Pat innocent except for being like a a a you know. Not a very good you know, husband as far as helping around around the house, but you know he's probably the most innocent mm-hmm. one out of the bunch. Yeah, of the I, adults. Yeah, I think. I have to say that the ending for me really felt like the kinds of stories that more slightly contemporary audiences felt when Carla Homolka got off, and then mm-hmm. she changed her name and got plastic surgery, and then. We all kind of wondered, like, how innocent was she? Like, it felt eerily similar. She's the one who, um, with her boyfriend or husband in Canada, is that right? Correct, yeah. Her little sister? Yeah, yeah. now she lives in, like, Aruba or, you know, has Mm -hmm. has a nice life now. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she and he, so she and Paul Bernardo, they would drug, rape, and murder women, including her younger sister. Mm. And she cited that she was a victim of domestic violence, and she had been sort of forced by her husband, who was a psychopath, to commit the crimes. But uh, she was very much guilty in the court of public opinion. And when she Mm. got out, people were terrified. Mm. Yeah, we hear Candy getting catcalled a lot. And the the idea that she thinks she can just go back to normal and that everything is going to be fine. It's like she has not processed what she's done and what she's taken away. And I think that was the thing that was so frustrating to me, you know? Yeah, I'm curious. Do you two read this as, ooh, she's so guilty she doesn't even realize the extent of her crimes? Or is it kind of, oh, she's deluded and she thinks that she can just move on, but she acknowledges that she has done bad things? I read it as she's selfish <laughs> and she wants to just get away, you know? Yeah, I think that I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, I think that, I mean, her story doesn't hold any water. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Now, no. <laughs> I, we're, we're never, we're never going to know if she, I mean, there's a number of reasons this could have happened. Maybe, maybe Betty did know about, about her mm. and Alan and maybe, and maybe, you know, threatened to tell Pat or, or, you know, spread it around town or maybe, maybe Candy really was upset that, that Alan wanted to try to work things out with Betty. Uh, you know, there's, there's a number of reasons this could have happened. And do I think that she would do it again, given the opportunity? no, but this is someone who you know has long had a good life of you know kind of being you know the prom queen and everybody just kind of 
catering to her. And I think she honestly did think, well, if I come up with this reason that makes it seem reasonable for me to do such a terrible thing, and if I at least act like I'm sorry for it, I can go back to my mm. normal life. And it's like, no, mm -hmm. you, you, you really can't. You really can't. Not, not there, <laughs> at least. Not in that little town where yeah. you, you, you have to drive past the house where it happened every day and where your kids are going to go to school with the kid of the, the, you know, the woman you did this to. No, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. I mean, Jesus Christ, we drove Pastor Jackie out of town because she dared to get a divorce. Like, Randy, right. you fucking killed a woman with an axe 41 times. You hit her. <laughs> like, yeah. no, you don't just get to go back to, you know, bake sales and picking up the kids from swim class. Right. And I think, like, I said selfish, and that's probably not. I, I might mean self-absorbed, you know. Okay. Like, I think she just, it feels like. All that really matters to her is getting away with it, you know? Ooh. And I was really reading her as kind of not necessarily a victim, but a lot more sympathetic. And she really turned me off in this episode, just in the way she was like talking about, oh, and then I got shushed. And then she's like handing snacks out. And she's like, no, you get it. This is why. This is what happened. It's like she's got her answer and that's all she cares about, you know? Wow, you really have turned on her. I have. You? I'm mad. You know, and I think they got they got me. Like, because she did leave that baby there for like 13 hours. Like, and I understand why, because she was probably in shock after killing somebody. But like, that just it just told me like she took a mom away from her child for her two ch children. You know, like, and I feel like she just got away with it. She just. Like, she ruined this family's life, and she's just got this pat little answer, and that's it, you know? And that, and I really felt Betty in that moment where she's like, that's it? That's all? That's all I get? My story is just over, you know? Yeah, I think that she, I, I think that Candy felt like, you know, well, I didn't mean to do it was a good, was good enough for people to. Exactly. To, yeah, yeah. You know, to, to sort of, you know, let it go and move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I'll confess I didn't feel that strongly about it, if only because I felt like Candy had always been kind of lying to herself and we had seen glimmers of it in earlier mm -hmm. episodes. But I'll also confess, as I said, this wasn't my favorite episode and I felt as though there were deliberate creative decisions that had mm. been made to make me feel either angry or sad. Like, I enjoyed... Betty's moment where she says that's it because it does feel like they just diminished a human being to a mm -hmm. kind of like well now she's a murder statistic don't you want to lock this other lady up but I'll confess at times I found ghost Betty walking through the courtroom to be an overly melodramatic tool to be like mm -hmm. don't forget the dead woman in the fucking room mm-hmm well, I mean, it worked on me, as I just said, you know, those moments. It, and I think you're right. Now, when I can separate myself from the anger of it, I agree with that. You know, and I, I even with showing the brutal kill, you know, like that was a lot more visceral than I was expecting. The reenactment of her, like striking her over and over and over and over again, showing the close ups on the body. I think it really brought that the violence of that to life, which I'm glad because mm -hmm. it's what happened like that's one of the few things that we can know for sure is how many times she got hit what her body looked like afterwards you know we can know the aftermath and i do appreciate them bringing that to life but 
it is a creative decision. I think you said that really well. Mm -hmm. Well, that's interesting, Jen, because I definitely messaged Gina, knowing that she had already seen it, and I didn't know Mm -hmm. if you had. And I just messaged Gina after I saw the episode, and I went, Jesus fucking Christ, Gina, I think they went overboard with this. Mm. And I don't know. I almost liken this to when we see really extensive rapes in rape revenge films. Like, Mm. this to me felt so overboard like egregious we've been holding it back for four episodes and now we're finally giving you the bloodlust mm-hmm. but i'm i'm curious gina what was your response the first time you saw this um i did get the you know everything was sort of understated and i think that they were deliberately withholding how horrifying the murder scene was like you mostly just mm-hmm. like in the in the episode when when uh i think it's episode one when betty's body is discovered you get like right. very quick glimpses and more you get everybody reacting to it and you get like you know the you know guy running off covering his mouth and he's gonna throw up and everybody just like is absolutely shocked you know she's so badly injured that they can't tell if she's been shot or 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 axed to death mm. Then you know you you kind of get this picture in your mind of what that must look like. Then they have an extremely graphic depiction of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a little overboard, but also it it sort of again makes you question Candy's story because oh yeah, if you're trying to fight someone off who is attacking you and you get the upper hand, you know, you're going to hit them like just enough to disable them and then you're going to get away from them so maybe she gets her once in the head or in the chest or something but to to sound like an absolute cliche in crime shows this is somebody who's in a rage when when you know they they just wanted to annihilate this person And, and it doesn't really lend credence to her idea her her, her story of well she was going to attack me and i got scared Mm -hmm. right yeah it doesn't feel like defensive wounds you know it was more it was more like i i (laughs) you know i overtook her and then i literally chopped her to pieces Mm -hmm. yes (laughs) yeah and it's interesting i think talking about whether or not that is an exploitative representation of what happened and i think with my own personal journey with true crime and my relationship with it Mm -hmm. i think i might feel different ways at different times i'm sort of in this mood right now where like if it happened i don't i want to see it Like, I don't want the victim to be alone in this thing that happened. Like, if they can Mm. go through it, we can watch it, you know? But then on the other hand, I have definitely been in places where I'm like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to see that. Like, what comes to mind for me is is Irreversible, you know, which I loved. I love that movie so much. And that scene is so hard, but I think, like, in reality, it doesn't cut away. You know, the person that's experiencing something like this has to go through the entire thing. And I feel like it's honoring what she experienced by showing the reality of it and not softening it. And I think I also like put it in the context of just like, not guilty, it's over. You know, like this adds a little bit more weight to what happened. You know what I mean? Hmm. It also makes it more chilling that she was able to do this, just destroy somebody's body like this and then just snap out of it and go pick up her kids. 
and mm-hmm. and go to right. like a like a like a church function and and remember to, and just like that's terrifying that you know yeah. it's it's mm-hmm. it's fascinating that that a, a you know the human brain can allow you to do that but it, it's it's also terrifying like most people who you know, are supposedly pushed into a situation like that would be I would think would be hysterical and and you know I mean and she is shaken I guess by yeah. it but but kind of more shaken by you know you know well uh-oh what am I gonna do I'm gonna get caught and and, right. not, and not so much and not so much like oh my god I can't believe I'm cape I was I did that to somebody Right. And I think like, I don't necessarily want her to go to jail for the rest of her life. Like, I do think this was not premeditated, you know, but I was missing that like upset once the trial got there. And I think if she had been a little more upset or if she had seemed more sorry on the stand, I think it would have made her more sympathetic to me, you know, and everything I said about the crime scene, like if they had actually shown crime scene photos, mm. I think I would have like of her actual body. I think I would have felt very differently. And I'm glad they didn't do that. Oh, yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I yeah. hate real crime scene photos. Same. I think they're disgusting. Yep. Same with nine yeah. calls too. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about how this episode either plays with our emotions about both Betty and Candy and also how we maybe feel about Candy and the outcome. Can we backtrack to the beginning of the episode? We haven't Mm -hmm. talked about the Justin Timberlake of it all, (laughs) but I'm curious, do you feel like that scene where the cops go through and mansplain to each other (laughs) what they think happened? Is that in there to help us feel something more for Candy? Because it it felt very gendered to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this little lady doesn't know how to use an axe. That's why she got all those cuts on her feet, you know? Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> on the other hand, I think the story doesn't seem plausible when we see them reenact it either, you know? Like, mm. we see two versions of this exact story and neither of them feel real. Yeah, I, I you, you get, like, multiple perspectives of how this could have happened and what could have driven her this, and I don't think any of them are 100% accurate. Yeah. Right. This is Candy, the Rashomon story. (laughs) Yeah, and it's totally everything that makes her, like, just an innocent, like, unfortunate lady who happened to be at the wrong place with the wrong axe at the wrong time, you know? Like, it couldn't Mm. be any more forgiving of her, you know? I was a little bit charmed by um, Jason Ritter. I I just, I love him, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And I think if we hadn't had so much Justin Timberlake in the last episode, I think this would have been a great amount of him, you know? Gina, what do you think, since you were just a, not a fan? Just a, just a skosh of Timberlake is fine. <laughs> just a smidgen, you know, sprinkling. Yeah. Yeah. I think just a skosh of Timberlake is actually my, the name of my sex tape. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, well, I'm interested. Do you have any other sort of key takeaways or big scenes that you wanted to talk about from this finale? It's a relatively straightforward affair compared to what we've seen before. Yeah, yeah, I feel like it is 
it's really just kind of what happened, you know, or what she said happened. I think that I liked the scene with her and Pat where she has to tell him about the affair. And there's part mm. of me that wants to say, does it matter if she had an affair? Like, there was very much like she's a loose woman, so she's bad kind of impetus to bring that up in the trial, although I do think it is relevant. And I don't think it really colored the jury against her. It doesn't seem, but I don't know. I liked Pat finally saying, no, 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 I've had enough of you, you know? You're right that it's a little heavy handed, but I sort of like the, the, you know, mainly because otherwise this would have been a mostly, I, I, the only time you would have seen Melanie Linsky is when she's getting turned into a pile of meat. So, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I think it balances well with Candy's kind of ridiculous, description of what she was like you know in the in the final moments leading before her death where she kind of goes into like you know robotic you know kill mode which is just that, that doesn't that doesn't sound like her but you know then you have what's kind of the real her sort of hovering and sort of looking you know just disappointed at everybody mm-hmm. and 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 and, right. and i and i i appreciated that like you know, as soon as, as soon as she's found not guilty, everybody's like hooray, and then just leaves. And then the only the only people are there are Betty's parents, and they're just they're just like shell shocked, and and mm-hmm. and Betty just kind of there too. Like, are we the only ones that care about her? And yeah. at that point, kind of yeah. Yes. And it's and it's you know, and it's 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 a tragedy because you know, you know, Alan. I mean, pfft, you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> He kind of went into like self protection mode, I guess. Like, because Alan is a very pragmatic person, and he's like, mm-hmm. "Well, she's dead now. You know, I got, I got these responsibilities I have to deal with, and and you know, and I'm a realist, and you know, there's no reason for me to, you know, to to lie on the stand, and you know, so whatever. And so the only people that are really there for Betty are her parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we get that scene at the beginning of the episode, too, where everybody is talking outside the courtroom, you know, and Sherry is like, guys, she didn't do it. Like, Sherry still believes that she is innocent. But mm-hmm. then the ladies behind are very are saying a lot of what we were saying in earlier episodes, just about true crime in general. Like, oh, I can't, I want to see. Like, just the fact that there's a crowd for this trial, it's very oh, sensational. Sure. And there's one point when one of the ladies leans over and is like, I wish I could love somebody so much, you know. Oh, God. Like, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I appreciate it. Like, the, they set the tone of this episode very clearly is like Betty has been forgotten by just about everybody. You know, now it is the trial show, you know, not to get too, too, too heavy or, or deep into it, but you know, as, as a lot of true crime, the docuseries like turns an eye towards, you know, the true crime genre in general, mm-hmm. where, you know, a lot of times the victim is ultimately forgotten and that the whole thing is is turned into a, a spectacle where you mm-hmm. do have people saying saying dumb things like, oh, I wish someone loved me enough to kill for me or whatever, or, you know, and stuff like that. You, you see that kind of thing on the on the Internet all the time. And it's like, mm-hmm. OK, stop for a moment and think about what you're saying when you when mm-hmm. you say something like that, that you wish someone loved you so much that they would be willing to kill another person for you. 
Right. And, and, and it's just like, well, that's not even what happened here. You know? Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean the, 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 the least, the least believable thing in all of this was the, the, the idea that maybe Candy was killing Betty because, because she wanted Alan for herself. That's probably yeah. the least believable scenario in all of this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the moment where they're in the sequester room and that's all they hear is like, I don't even want him. And the two <laughs> husbands look over towards the sound, you know. yeah i think it was more of the little details of this episode that really worked for me like i enjoyed the fact as you mentioned jen that scene where we had to tell pat oh there's another man but this is really good for the defense because Mm -hmm. that means that it's not a crime of passion anymore and he balks at it but she says you know i need you on my side and of course dan is very exploitative and says she's fighting for her life but Mm -hmm. i love that we then didn't spend time seeing pat on the witness stand because we had already seen that so Mm. it was almost cueing us to say you remember what he said right we're not going to replay it and i thought that that was a kind of like sly creative choice yeah and i feel like they honored pat in this episode i don't know if honored is quite the word but i feel like he has been a real human throughout this series you know like yes she's fighting for her life and yes she needs she needs his support but i also really clearly felt in that moment that like he doesn't care you know it's like yes but this still hurts me you know mm-hmm. and i and i am allowed to feel hurt about this and i i really felt that in that just that small moment of him going to the other side of the room and turning away you know yeah Okay, so one last thing before we wrap up Candy. I wanted to get your thoughts on the trailer for Love and Death, which came out probably a few weeks ago at this point. And this is the second take on the story, which of course casts Elizabeth Olsen in the Candy role and Lily Rabe in the Betty role. And I'm curious, what did you folks think if you saw that trailer? I think that's extremely generous casting. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I know that um, Jesse Plemons plays Alan in the mm-hmm, uh, in this in this version, so uh, I don't remember who plays Pat. But I, I do think it's funny that they not not to say that and obviously neither Jessica Biel or or Melanie Linsky are unattractive, far from it. But there was some effort made to make them look like their real life counterparts you know they've got the mm-hmm. bad wigs they're kind of like melanie linsky they they, they dress her so she looks a little frumpy right. uh but they don't look like any effort was made <laughs> to look like the real people like right. at all at all um but uh i mean I, I feel like because it's an HBO, there's probably going to be they're, they're probably going to focus more on on the affair component of it, and mm. and there's a chance it's probably going to be a little more tawdry. Although you know, yeah. there's also a lot of cla- cl- classy actors involved in it too, so maybe not. I don't I I, I don't know. I mean, I just I, I don't like though when multiple channels do the same case. And it's like, okay, yeah. just you, you just pick another case. You know, it's not it's not that it's not that bizarre of a of a of a of a case that, you know, you have to you have to do multiple takes on it. Right. Like other women have killed before, you know. Deadly <laughs> women has like what, twenty seasons. <laughs> right. There's plenty of, you know, small you know, you know, murder in a small town. 
Right. I did just look it up, and I think Patrick Fugit is playing Pat Montgomery, which is interesting. Uh, okay. I like him. I haven't seen him in much recently. But, yeah, this I, I'm not sure what the point of this is. I mean, I'll watch it, but I really enjoyed HBO's The Staircase documentary that they just did. Not documentary, but, like, the show about the documentary. I thought that was right. really well done. So so I'll check it out, and I think they have the capability to either kind of lean into the Game of Thrones-y tawdriness of it or go more of the straight, like, legitimate, high-budget kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I don't, like, I think, I don't know what else I would want from this story. You know, I think they right. did what I want from True Crime. Right. What's the angle here? Right. You, you're mm-hmm. not telling um, Betty's story, you know, because we don't know Betty's story. Like, I think this this candy adaptation did what I want a true crime documentary or um, dramedy to do about. That's not the right word. <laughs> I want a true crime um, series to do is to honor everybody involved as human beings to present the fact that we don't know exactly what happened to make that impossible to ignore and to really just show everybody as human beings that just kind of got caught in this terrible thing. Yeah. I think the timing is very unfortunate. I think they were both kind of in the works for Mm. either a long time or maybe even at the same time. And then, and then one horse just beat the other cart to market that's not the right analogy but anyway <laughs> one had the cart in front Close of the horse and the other one the cart was behind the horse so. exactly yeah needless to say i'm i'm intrigued to see the new one but yeah i sort of feel the same as you two where i'm just i'm not really sure what else you're going to add to the story and because we've already seen one version the novelty has kind of been lost yeah that said, I'll watch Jesse Plemons in anything. There we go. Yeah, I yeah, I love that. him. So that's, I mean, it's, a, it's an excellent cast. I, I'm a, I don't think I'll watch anything Lily Rabe is in. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, well, that'll put a wrap on Candy. Jen, if people want to talk about whether or not they felt betrayed <laughs> by Candy in this episode, how would they get a hold of you? You can find me at Jim Ferratu on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find me hosting the Psychoanalysis Podcast, which is about um, horror movies and mental health. And you can also find me hosting the Losers Club Podcast, which is all about Stephen King. Okay. And Gina, if people want to talk about how much gratuitous violence they want to see on screen, how would they get a hold of you? (laughs) uh i am the co-host of the kill by kill podcast uh appropriately which we talk about uh horror movies focusing on the characters i also write about movies and television at thespool.net and i am on twitter at gina does things excellent and i can be reached at b stole my remote and that's the letter b Thanks, as always, to the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network for hosting the show. And folks, this is usually where we would tell you what we're going to be covering next, but we're going to take a quick little breather, and we will be back with some new episodes. We haven't quite figured out what we're going to do, so we got to go off and plan. But rest assured that White Ladies in Crisis will return, and maybe with an axe. Who knows? There's no shortage of ladies in crisis, you know. This is so Just true. don't <laughs> shush us ever, <laughs> <laughs> or touch our arm. Yeah, right. That's the other trigger. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. <laughs> Thank you.
Scream Pod Squad.